Thank you for your time, and let's go, Brandon. Okay. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you guys so much for logging in and tuning in to uh, the Secure the Border podcast with Sheena Rodriguez. That's me, little old me over here in the corner on my soapbox screaming about illegal immigration in the border crisis. Um, so today is Friday, August the 26th. And I have a special guest uh, with us here today. We are currently streaming on Facebook on several different pages on YouTube, Getter, Twitter. Um, and of course, everything will also be uploaded onto the podcast version um, afterwards, shortly afterwards, which you guys can find under the Secure the Border podcast, um, under on Spotify, Audible, Google Play, uh, TuneIn, j just about anywhere that... Um, <laughs> Anywhere that, uh, that that podcast versions that you guys can stream your podcast. So, and of course, also on the website, securetheborder.us, securetheborder.us, we have both the live version, uh, the broadcast, and then also the podcast version uh, that you guys can go to under the podcast tab um, at securetheborder.us. But so I want to go ahead and just jump right in and introduce our guest for tonight. Uh, this is Irene Armendares. Here we go. All right, Jackson. And uh, she is actually from El Paso. And one of the reasons why, well, several of the reasons why I wanted to bring her on today was because, first off, I've written some commentary about El Paso. I got the pleasure of finally making it out there to El Paso a few months ago. And oh my gosh, it is stunningly beautiful. It's just uh, the, the people there are amazing. Um, and Irene and I have met several different times on several. She's all over the great state. I thought I travel a lot. She's everywhere. Everywhere I turn, and she's there. And, and especially knowing how far she has to travel uh, is just astonishing. But, you know, uh, El Paso, of course, is part of the great state of Texas. Uh, but because of its location, it kind of gets overlooked, especially during uh, the, this ons onslaught that we're experiencing with the border crisis. And what I saw there... Um, you know, uh, was 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 very concerning for several reasons, and um, and and now with with 
some of the increased once again uh, in violence on the other side of the border in, in the neighboring uh, city there or state of uh, Juarez in Mexico, you know, it brings it to the forefront. And I always want to try to bring it back to Texas and show its impact on Texans and Texas and the great state that we are. Uh, and Irene has been out there on the forefront in her area, a true leader, a true patriot fighting and is running actually for uh, its CD 16, right? Do I have that right? Texas 16, Texas, Texas 16. Uh -huh. Texas. Okay. Sorry. Excuse me. Um, and I want to go ahead and just introduce you and bring you on. So Irene, will you just tell us a little bit about yourself and, 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 and about how long you've been living in, in El Paso and all of that. Well, I'm stuff. a native of El Paso. So okay. 51 years, my entire life I've lived in El Paso. My mom is from our neighbor city, Ciudad Juarez. My dad's from central Mexico, Torreon, Coahuila. And uh, my husband and I have been married almost 29 years. We have three daughters. Uh, two of them now are in Omaha, Nebraska. Our oldest is a lot taller than I am. And she got a division one scholarship to play basketball in there. And so she met her husband, stayed there, got married, and now she has four babies. So I'm a very proud and blessed grandma. And our middle one just started Creighton School of Law a couple of weeks ago. And so she that's one of the reasons that she chose Creighton was because it's in Omaha. So she would be around family for the first time in many years. And then we have a 15-year-old who's still at home. And she is my volleyball superstar. And she keeps me, she keeps us young. And so my mom and dad are still alive. My daddy's 85. My mom is 77. And if they have left any legacy to their posterity, it's one of service, of love for God and fearing the Lord and serving him. And so that's the reason that I'm involved, because I really uh, feel the calling upon my life, because this is not something that I thought I would ever be involved with. Um, but when the Lord calls you, you, you better answer. And so we did when my husband was sent to D.C. He, we were there for six months and I really felt that the Lord showed me the Capitol and he said, this is where the church needs to invade the halls of the legislative branch. And so when we came back, I came back with a mission to get involved civically. I had never been involved. If you look at my voting record, it is pathetic. Um, and, uh, and, and you might even see some Democrat votes there too, because there's a lot of political ignorance in my city, unfortunately. And so we did. And then after helping other candidates, I was asked to run because of the incumbent. She is a Hispanic Native woman. And so they figured you need another Hispanic Native woman <laughs> that looks brown um, <laughs> to really compete with that. And so we ended up running in 2020, but we didn't have any outside help, but we had, we didn't know what we were doing, to be honest with you, but the Lord showed us, you got to knock on doors. People need to know about you. And we moved the needle with no money and no support from the big, the big dogs, um, 10%. And so it was blue. It was deep blue. Then it was purple after 2020. And then with the redistricting, we went back to a D17, but but um, I think 
part of what the uh, Republican Party of Texas, well, the House and the, the legislature, the Texas legislature, what they did is they actually made it what they say 7% more Hispanic. So according to them, that's deeper blue. But, you know, that's who I am. Uh, soy hispana, hablo el español como una nativa mexicana, me comunico con todo mundo en inglés o en español. So that gives me an opportunity to speak to everybody. So I'm not afraid of that. And and you know what? And and Hispanics are by nature conservative, and we are seeing that shift. Um, and and you know, El Paso is no different than any other uh, quote unquote blue, you know, uh, Democrat, traditionally Democrat border town in the sense that you know we are reaching out to them we are they they are recognizing especially because of president trump you know that populist message really really spoke to mm -hmm. our communities i'll tell you my husband has never been a political person ever ever but it was donald trump that got my husband out of the house to go vote for president um, he's never, even as political as I've always kind of been, um, he's never done it. And so now he's voting uh, nonstop. I mean, kind of because I'm like, you're coming with me. <laughs> um, but it was really, it was really my, my husband. It spoke to him. It spoke to our community. It spoke to our household. Uh, the same thing with my in-laws and a few of the others in my own family that, that, that really had never been involved in politics before. Um, you know, like you had said too, you know, we're, quote unquote, ignorant, you know, in many respects, because, you know, we've always been hardworking. We've always focused on our families. We've always focused on putting food on the table, um, you know, into those. But now it's like this, this government intrusion uh, that you can no longer ignore. And, and look, I'm not saying that that's right. That's why we are where we are right now. Exactly. Yes. Asleep, yes. You know, but what well, uh -huh. your, your story is something that it's so many people, so many of ours are our own stories. You know, I've always voted what I thought was right. And man, I mean, I've always voted Republican, but even then I never, admittedly, I never researched it. I, I, I thought that I was doing the right thing. I thought that, you know, by watching Sean Hannity and back when it was Hannity and Combs and, and Bill O'Reilly that I was informed. Um, and, and that's just not the truth. And, uh, and I didn't always vote and I never voted in the primaries prior to this last primary. So your story is, is honestly several of our own stories. And so I can identify and relate to that. And real quick, you are listening to secure the border podcast with Sheena Rodriguez. And today we have the great uh, Irene Armendariz Jackson with us from El Paso. So guys, please like, and share, like, and share, like, and share on uh, your Facebook pages. Um, and help us get this message. I can't, I have to speak truth, right? We have to speak, and you are a truth speaker. And to that also, your border, uh, I'm sorry, your husband was also also served as well, right? right? He, he just retired, correct? Correct. He retired in December. He is a Navy veteran as well. So he has a long tradition of service as well. Um, all of his uh, brothers and him, his dad, they all served. His dad actually retired from the Air Force. Um, Bill served in the Navy and his brothers, uh, one of them Air Force and one of them Navy. So they come also from a traditional um, service led family. But um, I love the fact that there's so many of us and it's gaining a lot of momentum. And it's important to keep reminding people 
especially those that are just jumping on board and saying, hey, you know what? I'm not going to listen to the media. I'm going to start researching, but this is weird. I mean, like, am I the only one that feels that way? And that's something that I always try for people to walk out of any a meeting that I go to, anytime that I'm allowed to speak. I always end with that message. Just want you to know you're not alone. And I think the left has done a really good job of making especially Hispanics feel like they're the only Republican in the entire world. And because you feel that way, then you must be a racist. You must be somebody that wants to be white and the white people don't love you. I mean, if I gave you all the stuff that they put on my uh, social media against me and you know what's sad? It's Hispanics. <laughs> it's Hispanics attacking me. And with all these racial slurs, like with the face that you have, all you should need to be doing is making tortillas and not talking about border security. And so unfortunately, that's probably what they believe. And they probably believe they're doing a, a service to their country, just like the Pharisees did, right? The Pharisees mm -hmm. thought that they were walking in righteousness and they were the good ones, yet they were so wrong and they so missed the mark. And that's how a lot of them, for, unfortunately, even Hispanics are missing the mark. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and, and then in leading, let's lead. I want to go ahead and just use that and lead into it and give a quick shout out to Dolores. Dolores is logging on. She says, Hey, Hey, Dolores, <laughs> love you so much. Um, uh, that's I, a I, woman, I, that's a woman that a you just cannot fool. We, <laughs> we had, um, an interview with, I, I'm pretty sure you've heard of Jorge Ramos, right? Mm -hmm. So his daughter came with Vice TV and they did this whole interview on me on my office. And we drove down to Dolores's backyard and we had all these people there. What's very special about Dolores's backyard is number one, this house has been in her family since 1912. And it is literally on the border. Like it's her beautiful. back fence, the back fence is the border fence, which ironically is not the one that Trump built. It's the one that Beto, Schumer, Pelosi, Clinton, and Obama, they all voted for it. And before that was Operation Hold the Line. And it was implemented by the one that then became the congressman, Democrat congressman, before Beto. Beto actually primaried him out later. But he was the Border Patrol chief here in El Paso. And the Operation Hold the Line had a Border Patrol agent every 100 yards. Mm. And it stopped illegal immigration completely. And then, of course, came the, the fence, which I think they hit, they fell and hit their head because they didn't think it was racist to build a fence then. But now because it's a border, I mean, a Republican um, idea and a Republican concept, I guess, and now all of a sudden it's laced with racism. Of course, of course, because that's the only, I, I just put out a commentary. Um, <laughs> I just put out a commentary just uh, two hours ago, maybe, um, citing actually, I was in Ellis County in front of the commissioner's court, um, and I testified there along with some other amazing patriots from over there in Alice County in front of the, the, the judge and, and the great commissioner's court there. And in some of the rhetoric that was coming out from the opposing side, um, you know, was, oh, you're racist, you're this, you're that. But then literally 
the last person that spoke in opposition to the resolution that we were attempting to get passed, which was, uh, you know, encouraging the governor to do all that he can and declaring an invasion, um, you know, turns around and, and, and says, you know, I need these migrants to help me with my lawns. You can't make this stuff up. I'm like, that is quite literally the most racist thing you could say. Is that the only um, thing they're good for? I thought I mean, they were good for donating organs too. Right. You know, I looked at it um, and, and I turn around and I look at the group that was there. Um, a, a few of them also Hispanic, you know, that were wearing their mask and they were, they were talking about, you know, on how racist we all were. Um, and I said, now that is racist. My husband, now my family's from, uh, my family's Puerto Rican. My husband is a first generation Mexican American. My husband does not do lawns. Okay. He just doesn't do lawns. You know, I, I think we're, we're, we are worth, not that there's anything wrong with doing lawns. Don't well, no, get but me you're wrong. But it's, exactly. And you absolutely are. And, and, and so they, it's, it's utterly disgusting. And you know what? There's nothing racist about wanting to protect your families, absolutely. your community, uh, to, for your own resources and your own school districts to go to our own children, especially the minority communities are impacted the most, like in my area, like in Dallas, like the schools that my, my husband grew up in and I grew up in, like th those are the, um, th those are the ones that are impacted the most. So let, I want to use this to just kind of just, just jump right into the border issues and how El Paso, because you were on all of your social media uh, platforms screaming, especially during recently during the uh, the baby formula shortage. Can you kind of go into now? Of course, you guys are a, a border town, right? So, right. like you said, illegal immigration and the, the impacts from it are not anything new. What is new is the 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 the, the, the volume, volume of it the right volume, now. Yes. But how is El Paso? Mm -hmm. uh, how how is your community being directly impacted? now and what are some of the issues that you guys face and some of your your law enforcement there that that you guys face well you know what we have to remember is that border patrol is all they're human beings they're members of our communities uh like my husband husband daddy grandfather um deacon and in their churches little league uh coaches they're men and women of our own community they're our neighbors and to lace them and classify them as being racist and Nazi and all this other stuff that they're classified as is completely erroneous. Because one of the things, like, for example, my husband, I love to, to use real life examples. My husband uh, teaches Sunday school and he loves teaching the little kids. I personally don't enjoy that, but he does. And he is pouring into them um, eternity. And so for him to be classified as a racist because of his job and wanting to secure our border, um, it's completely unfair. But the media, of course, has run away with this message. And and it's I, I haven't been asked for an interview here in forever. As a matter of fact, um, there was a lady by the name, she, she's back in El Paso. She now she's working with us, but her name is, um, Christina Wayo. And she came to work with the affiliate of NBC here in El Paso. When my husband retired, she interviewed him and did two, like a two part series of just the morale of the border patrol. Well, Veronica Escobar, who's the incumbent, 
hit the roof, hit the roof and demanded and pressured KTSM to fire her. Why? This is another Hispanic woman and wow. Veronica bullied and used her influence to damage her. And where's the media on that? Just uh, last week or the week before, uh, Veronica's husband, who's uh, an immigration judge, ironically, um, you know, I always jokingly say it's it's job security. She brings them in, he deports them. But um, he let an illegal alien go that then turned around and assaulted a police officer here and broke his nose. Wow. And I don't know who the police officer is, but... I, I'm pretty confident to say he's probably a Hispanic police officer. Why? Because we're over 80% Hispanic. When we saw the atrocities and the false accusations of the horseback border patrol agents in Del Rio, three quarters of those agents are Hispanics. Yep. And so the narrative is very selective. It fits their message and it inflames people, people's emotions and but this is nothing new, Sheena. We just the Republicans have been lame ducks mm -hmm. at the messaging. You know, it was George Washington, our first president, that said it is unbelievable that we have to appeal to the emotions of the American people instead of their intellect. <laughs> and what do you hear the Republicans always doing? Oh, we need to educate Hispanics. Oh, we need to educate Hispanics. And I'm like, oh, that makes the hair in the back of my neck stand up mm -hmm. because it's not a matter of education. Number one, it's awareness. It's just like you said, I was a stay at home mom for a period. I, my business, my profession is real estate. I was concentrated on taking my girls to their activities, mm -hmm. fulfilling the needs of my clients and making sure that we were able to close those deals so we would be able to, you know, take the family vacations and do the things that we wanted to do because my income was never the provider. My, I, my husband was a provider mm -hmm. and we always lived on, have lived under our means, even with just his income. So then we weren't, we were engulfed in that visiting my parents, making sure that we spend time with my sisters when they came in in town and all that stuff. So then politics and government were way in the back of the registrar, how important things, activities are. And so it, again, it wasn't until I went to DC and then I, the first thing I did actually was enroll in college again. And I got my master's in government with a concentration in law and public policy. And that is a miracle in itself because I hate school. And once I got my bachelor's, I said, I will never go back to school. And uh, but the Lord called me. I loved it. But more than anything, this whole uh, journey is is understanding God's heart. And believe me, God and I have some very emotional conversations. And it's usually one sided <laughs> because it's exhausting. It's especially, and I'm sure you get it. I'm sure you get it. Sometimes it's with our own side. A lot going, of the time it is. Yeah. And you're going, wait a minute. And here in my community. So we have become the face of the conservative movement, the face of the Republican party. But I can guarantee you, Sheena, 
it's cost a lot of times, a lot of separation from my own family, a lot of missed activities. Um, tomorrow, my daughter's going to play volleyball and I won't get to go because I have three events going on tomorrow. Thank God for my husband that is stepping into that role. But that's the role that I was, that was my role. They, my kids, my girls knew that if nobody else showed up, mom did. Right, right. And so, but that's that's where the entire Hispanic community, especially what I see here in my community now, where we talk about border issues. I have a very personal uh, aggression towards illegal immigration. Be even before this, because my dad learned the trade of hanging drywall. When they, when he immigrated to the United States, he actually was in the agriculture, picking lettuce and picking strawberries in California. So he does that. They, my mom and him save money. He comes back, they get married. And then of course he didn't want to leave. So he was actually a trash collector in Fort Bliss, which is the base, the army base here in El Paso. But then he said, you know, I have to learn something because this is not going to provide for my family. So he learned drywall. Well, what happens here on the border is that then you get the illegal immigration people that come in and underbid the jobs. And my dad would say, I can't feed my family with, with that. So he would have to leave months at a time. He would leave my mom and the four kids um, to go get work either in Midland or in California. And I, you know, I never saw one single Democrat advocating for the separation of my family. Mm -hmm. And so that's, to me, that's very personal, the illegal immigration. And you can't tell me, and this is a position that even some of the Congress members in our, in our own uh, side say, is they come and take the jobs that nobody wants. And that is a false narrative on our side, too. It, it, it absolutely is. And, you know, even when you look at the legal, quote unquote, legal immigration of like H-1B visas and everything else, it's taking away the, 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 the higher skilled jobs as well you know, for, from, from American citizens. Uh, so you're having the lower, uh, you know, the lower skill jobs and the higher skill jobs and uh, taken, you know, both from legal and illegal immigration uh, that both sides, um, including the Republican party put forth. And it really does, it puts Americans last. And, right. and, and that's, that's, that's the thing that people need to hear. And it's not just, it's not just the sheer number that's crossing over, uh, you know, which, which I know the, from boots on the ground over there in that area, some of the agents and one of the pieces, uh, that, that a friend of mine, uh, Kathy was out there. She lives also in that area, um, had sent some information, uh, and sent some photographs and everything else over a thousand a day is what the current agents were quoting, um, which is, you know, El Paso's always, again, always dealt with, you know, on the brink of, of, of a forest border, border. But when you compare it to some of the other sectors in, in Texas, generally speaking, El Paso generally doesn't have that many if you look at it historic like as much as like let's say the the rgv right or the del rio sector um you know usually what you guys deal with there a lot and you know is especially like the 
really bad people not wanting to come through, uh, you know, get, turn themselves in in some of the more rural areas. Um, and then also the drugs is a, it's a major drug highway. Uh, and of course, the violence that that pours over from horrors. And I want to get to that here in just a second and, and, and ask as well, um, you know, what the impact is to to y'all's community there in the area. But, you know, that that's some major numbers that are coming in. Um, that's you know, not even, but that's not even counting the ones that are being flown in. Right. Because let's right. remember that when these, when these um, stations get overwhelmed, they're put on flights just to get processed here. Just the other day, um, of course, since my husband retired, he still has a lot of people that he knows. And they were in one of the processing centers and he asked somebody, how many people do you have in there? And he said over 1900, 2,900. And what was the capacity? Um, about 1900. So they were already a thousand uh, over the limit. And why this is so dangerous is, first of all, uh, the, the agents coming back to the humanity of the agents. Mm -hmm. Freddy Vasquez is somebody that actually lost his life to COVID. Mm -hmm. And where did he get it? Through the illegal contact. Mm -hmm. Not only that, we have to you know, this was a, fa a father. This, his kids are young. He has older kids too, but his kids are young. And you don't hear the media. You don't hear the outrage from the Democrats, not even the Republicans, not even the Republicans. But, you know, I love America. And that's, that's why I'm running. I want to make sure that the American dream is preserved for generations to come, like our founding documents say, for our posterity. My mom came from Ciudad Juarez. She legally, she learned English. She went to community college, 101, English 101. Then she realized she could keep going. She ended up getting her degree in social work so she could go back and help the community. And then she got her master's in social work from UT Austin. And this is with a language barrier. This is with English as a second language. And so... That's what the American dream is for. They lived very frugally. They actually invested most of her uh, salary. And to this day, they haven't asked us for any money. As a matter of fact, the times that we've gone to Israel, they've paid for us. And these are people that have bought their house. It was a tiny little house with a one bedroom, one bathroom, uh, living and a uh, little hallway. And they stayed in that house. They made it work. They added to it when the when the kids were growing up because there is four kids. But at one point, my mom and dad were sleeping on a mattress in the living room. And the kids were in the only bedroom. And it was two in each bunk bed. And so that is, a, is something that we always have to remember because we have to remember that even as tiny as that was, even as limited as the funds were, we lived in a very loving, God-fearing home. I knew that when I got out of school, we were going to have our stew, nuestro guisado, our arroz, our frijolitos. And of course, the stew had a lot more potatoes than it had me. I, I didn't know we were poor. I didn't. My dad would take out the black and white TV and put it in the driveway and we would watch El Chavo del Ocho. We thought, and then he'd grill hot dogs, you know, the cheap, back then I think the packages were like four or five for a dollar. 
And we thought we were the bee's knees because we were grilling hot dogs in the backyard and watching El Chavo del Ocho on our black and white TV. Later on, of course, we realized, hey, yeah, we're, we weren't well off at all. And then my mom started working. And so that helped them progress. And so every generation in America should do better. My our middle daughter just graduated in uh, April 22nd from Pepperdine University in Malibu. And my dad had said, I'm not traveling anymore. I'm tired. And him and my daughter are like, they're like this. Mm. And so he took, I told them I would buy them the airfare. And he said, no, we'll, we'll drive with you. So they did. But what was interesting is the day of the graduation, they have this beautiful campus for any of you that don't know where it is. It's actually on Pacific Coast Highway. If you're familiar with uh, the show that used to come out as Zoe 101, they filmed on, Pe on Pepperdine's campus. So it's a beautiful campus. But they have the graduation on the lawn. You have this beautiful view. And I asked my parents, well, what are you, what are you feeling right now? Papi, usted que siente? Mm -hmm. And he turned around and Pacific Coast Highway was at the bottom of the hill behind him. And he said, 60 years ago, I drove up that highway going to Oxnard where I picked lettuce and strawberries mm -hmm. in search of the American dream. Mm -hmm. And look at my granddaughter is graduating from one of the most prestigious universities in the United States. Wow. That's the American dream. It is. And that's, and that is what every American should try for, right? Like it exactly. is the, it, it, like giving the, those opportunities um, to be able to better ourselves, mm -hmm. to be able to better our families um, and, 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 and to be able to better for the next generation and then the next generation. And that's just mm -hmm. a, a beautiful example um, of, of how exactly that, that is what the American dream is is and used to be but what we're seeing now is the shift of expectancy um even what we're seeing pouring over the border uh it's it's not oh, the people yes. who are coming over here for a better life to be able to you know to 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 work hard the vast majority of them do not even qualify for asylum um and even right now like one of the things that i know you uh, i saw you on almost 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 daily i see you out there out there in the field and bringing the truth to a, and, and being a voice you know for the fellow citizens there in your district and in your area especially with uh, recently under the uh, baby formula crisis meanwhile you've got literally almost double the capacity of what uh what it's supposed to be on a daily basis with more being flown in and bust in, um, to this small, um, you know, populated area. And I say small because I live in the DFW area, right? El Paso is one of the larger Metroplex areas along the border, but relative to like, let's say DFW or Houston or Austin or one of the other, you know, Metroplex areas, you're still bringing in at the, even if it's a thousand a day, that's almost 30,000, you know, 30,000 a month. And that's just what is being apprehended or encountered or in the realm of, you know, Border Patrol's um, authority under their authority, right. or, you know, at the time. And that's not, that's just the sheer number of people. That's not the drugs. That's not the violence. Um, and so even with the the baby formula crisis um, and, and, and the shortages in on the shelves, 
you know, in the grocery stores, how was El Paso impacted by that? Oh, there, it was empty. I actually was asked because we, what I like to do is when something like that happens, I like to go show people that this is not something that's made up. This um, I'm at Walmart and by Cielo Vista and let's look at the shelves for the baby formula. Um, and people get to see them. We then we went to Target, which I don't never I don't shop at Target. I haven't shopped at Target since they embraced the LGBTQI um, agenda. But I went just to see the shelves of the baby formula, and they were empty. And we did another live, and then the one of the employees came around and said, "I'm going to have to ask you to stop filming." You're not allowed to do it. And I, and I just said, um, who are you? Who are you? Wow. And and I'm like, oh, this is a public place. I'll film whatever I want. And it was so ridiculous because one of the things that people, I think, need to realize, if, you, if you're not out there pushing back, I'm not saying you have to be rude, but you definitely have to be very firm mm-hmm. and say, no, you don't have the right to tell me that. No, you don't have the right to kick me out of here. Uh, no, you're wrong. And, and then like something that I do is, is like, is it because I'm brown? (laughs) Because I am brown. But the the reality is that people are shocked because they think this government, this administration has given them carte blanche to attack and to say whatever they want to say. And I'm like, I'm not putting up with it. And I'm not a person that uses profanity, but I definitely push back. Mm -hmm. But that's somebody... That's something that I, it's in my nature. So, but everybody, just like DeSantis just said, you know, you got to call them out. Mm-hmm. And I can guarantee you, when I was growing up, my dad always taught us to fight, right? And he was like, come on, hit my hands. And we'd be like, ah. and so <clears throat> we were prepared. And I believe me, I used it a few times, but <laughs> um, he would always say, the bully is just as afraid of you as you are of them because they don't expect you to respond. Mm -hmm. And so I want to encourage everybody that's afraid to take a stand is that I can guarantee you that that person on the other side is just as afraid of you as you are of them. And that's why they're so um, hyperbole on everything, right? Mm -hmm. It's always oh, talking points. They they yeah. they cannot go past those 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 talking points of you're a racist, you're xenophobic, you're this, you're that. They cannot hold an actual conversation because they themselves cannot understand why they believe what they believe because they're just believing propaganda. And so when you have someone that comes up and says, "Are you kidding me?" It literally is like 1982, right? Um where you're like, "Nope, nope, this is five fingers." This is literally five fingers I'm holding up. Um, You know, let's, let's, I know that math is racist, but let's count, you know, I mean, like, and they can't, they cannot have an intellectual conversation. And and honestly, there's people on our side too. Uh, I say our side, but there's people on our side as well that, that, that are just as, 
just as easily swayed, you know, by, by propaganda on all sides. And it's like, no, look, I'm showing you right in front of your face and I'm going to push back on this with truth and in love, but I'm going to push back on it. And, and that's kind of exactly what you're talking about and going full circle to how we were kind of talking about just uh, at the very beginning, you know, of like, yeah, like we, you know, sometimes we, we were ignorant, right? Because we weren't paying attention because also when we do see things on the media now, so many of us have woken up and going, yeah, the media is not, the media needs to go because it is just propaganda, but that's what we were told. That's what was put in front of us. That's the narrative that they want us to believe. And then now it's just become so unbelievably grotesque and evil at its core in many of these issues. Um, it's, it's like you, you, you have, if we are not bold, like, like Irene, you know, in speaking out in truth and in love, but being bold in, in, in doing so, we, you know, then we're going to continue to lose. And uh, again, thank you guys so much for logging in. You are listening to Secure the Border podcast with your host, my little me over here, Sheena Rodriguez. And today we have our special guest, Irene Amendares Jackson from El Paso. Um, one of the sides of Texas that uh, don't hear a lot from, especially if you're on the other sides of Texas, uh, like right. myself. So I wanted to to have her on, and thank you so much for coming on, Irene. But um, yeah, so thank you for 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 saying that because it's so it's so true. Now, one of the other things um, that when I when I spent some time over there in El Paso, I was so excited to finally make it out there. I, I had always been wanting to go to El Paso. You know, uh, my friend Victor and his his wonderful wife, Claudia, are also oh, from there. Oh, I love you. Yeah, you know, Frank also from there. And I'm just like, ah, one of these days I'm going to make it over there. And it was just stunning. And then got to get connected with my friend Kathy and with Dolores. And gosh, her and her husband just have the most beautiful home. And it is right there on the river, you know, on the uh, on the wall. Yeah, but I mean, it was just, it's just so, to me, it's just stunningly breathtaking. Anybody that says that Texas is flat, I mean, I'm sorry, you're just, you're just so wrong. Between the hill country and then over there, you know, and I mean, Big Bend and up to El Paso is just absolutely stunning. But one of the things too, that is that like Juarez is right there. I mean, you can see into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, and Juarez has always been one of the most crime ridden uh, areas, uh, unfortunately. Um, and, and it's like, you, it's, it's like night and day because you could see it and knowing how bad things are. And recently again, Juarez was once again, uh, in the, in the front, you know, of people's minds, um, if they understood where Juarez is in, in relation to Texas, um, you know, because of the, the violence that was going on there by the criminal cartel organization, um, and the narco terrorism, in my opinion, that's narco terrorism, um, you know, that's occurring just f- like right there next to, next to the border town of El Paso. So can you kind of, for those who may not have been aware of, of some of the violence that has, that I'm speaking of, can you kind of break that down for them? Well, you know, we go through pockets of where there's, uh, an explosion of violence, as we saw a couple of weeks ago on a Thursday. I didn't even know that it was going on. My parents still go to Juarez because they go to church and then they go to a town right outside of Juarez, Samalayuca, but their intent is really just to preach the gospel. Um, and one of my very close friends was like, hey, did you hear what happened yesterday? And and I'm like, no, but let me call my mom. And so I called her and she's like, oh, yeah all these beheadings and they basically what they did is 
they killed people, but they also um, burned an, an equivalent to like to a, a circle K. They're called oxos. And that's not the only place that they did it. They did it in um, several places along the border because I think uh, Oscar Blue was reporting that it was happening in, in Tijuana as well. Mm -hmm. And so the thing is, is that I like to keep it personal. So when the first wave of violence or the first wave, so my, da my daughter is, our oldest is 28 years old. She just turned 28 this month. When she was about a month old, two of my cousins in Ciudad Juarez disappeared. My aunt, their mom was the oldest sister of my mom. She spent all of her life savings and the rest of her life looking for her sons. And they were victims of narcotráfico. And so then one of their sisters joined the police department, not as an, as an officer, but to work. And her goal was to find out what happened to her brothers. So from there, she actually, um, well, she heard from one of the informants that was very close to the drug dealers. He's like, yeah, do, is it so-and-so? He described the, the two guys and they were brothers. He says, yeah. Oh, they shot him two days after they got him. Oh so somewhere gosh. in the desert, my cousin's bones are, are there. So this, then this sis, uh, their sister, Maricela, starts working for a judge. So when we start hearing the explosion of all the, um, the crime again, my, our oldest daughter was 17. So now she was a month old when the two disappeared, right? So then now she's 17. And we started going with my parents to church on Sunday afternoons. And my parents are like, you know what? No, because they're picking up a lot of young ladies and, you know, they're do, committing these atrocious acts on them and, and, and you have Allison. So no. So we, we stopped going, but soon after that cousin of mine who lived in El Paso, and this is why I want to show this example because it's connected. She lived in El Paso. Her kids were here, her husband, her home, everything else, but she worked in, a, in one of the courts in Ciudad Juarez. She was leaving that day and the judge said, hey, Maricela, my wife is in El Paso. She's at one of the Walmarts. You're headed that way. Can I have a ride? Uh, and he was, she was like, yes. So she had a brand new Durango because a month before on her way to the bridge to come home, they had actually carjacked her. So mm -hmm. she had a brand new Durango. Well, as they're going, I don't know if you noticed when you were here, when you look into Juarez, right on the other side of the river, there's almost like a highway and that's called El Ribereño. Mm -hmm. Is So they were going down, heading towards one of the bridges and a van um, stopped them and intercepted them and then another one in the back and they came out with ski masks and they just, you know, went crazy with shooting at the Durango. And of course they killed my cousin and they killed the judge. That judge, when the violence restarted, had there was a incident on one weekday very early where a, a reporter had been shot down right in front of his kids on their way to take them to school. So that case fell in his courtroom. And that judge said, I'm going to get to the bottom of this and I don't care whose heads roll. So mm -hmm. ironically, Remember I told you that my parents love to do mission work. 
So at that time, my parents are going to um, the mountains of Chihuahua, you know, where the Tarahumara Indians are. One of, the, one of the towns there is called La Marta. So they go and they would spend all weekend there and have uh, services and talk to, the, you know, teach the word to the kids and bring them food, whatever. So then this one lady tells my mom, Hermana Chela, come and talk to my niece. She came from Juarez and she is just in shock of, because of something that she witnessed. And so they sent her with me over here, but I can't even make her talk. So basically my mom starts talking to her and the, the story this girl witnessed and narrates was when my cousin was killed. Wow. And wow. so that's how we know there was a van they jumped out with ski masks and there was another van behind them and they just opened fire. And so, of course, not only did my cousin die, but also the judge. So she lived over here. So to think that it doesn't touch mm -hmm. uh, American citizens in a community like mine is just you're living in La La Land. Mm -hmm. And I think. That's why it's so important that we flip all these districts because we have lived what's happening on the border. You don't, we don't need, I don't need Ted Cruz to tell me what's happening on the border. Right. <laughs> right. I don't need Cornet to tell me what's happening on the border. <clears throat> and somebody that has really allied with us is a former border patrol chief, um, Rodney Scott. Hmm. And I told him, you know, he's a, strong Christian. And I'm very thankful. We're actually going to have a fundraiser with him in a couple of weeks. Uh, so if you're in the El Paso area, join us. But um, I was telling him, I said, when we get to Congress, if God allows it, if God wills it, I would love to get the perspective from the top brass to the boots on the ground. Mm -hmm. Because for those of you that have followed politics for a while, Herman Cain, who was um, actually was was tried to get the nomination for the Republican Party for president. He said one day, in order to run for office, you don't have to know everything about everything, but you do have to surround yourself with experts and listen to them and do what they tell you. And so that's very important to me. If God wills it, that we have the perspective, especially on the border, not only from the top brass, but how does all that translate to the boots on the ground? Because at the end of the day, we're a nation of that has tons of laws. And to be honest with you, I think we need to look at these laws and actually do the way uh, do away with some of the ones that have passed their prime or, you know, they're not effective anymore. They're, they're not applicable anymore. But also if let's find out why they even had that law and see mm -hmm. if it still applies. And so there's a lot of things going on on the border. I We had the RNC was here last weekend and we are grassroots. So we're block walking a lot. And they were so impressed that on a Saturday morning at 830 in the morning, we had over 60 people. Wow. We had a much bigger number than even Houston. So there's definitely a big movement here in El Paso. And I'm very honored honored and humbled and thankful to the Lord that he's using me in that leadership capacity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think, you know, and, and one of the things that becomes very evident when you go to any border town 
is the fact that it, both of the sides of the river, it's, it's a community in of its own going back and forth with what you were talking about, about on how the, the violence, you know, on the other side of El Paso um, directly impacts those who live in El Paso and vice versa. It's so true because it's not, it, it might be um, for those who, who live in the Metroplex areas or maybe not along the border, you know, it's like me, I, I live, it's like me going to Fort Worth for groceries, right? Uh, if uh, in me going to Fort Worth, uh, because I live in the mid cities area, going to Fort Worth to go to the doctors, um, or vice versa, or me going to Dallas, you know, it's, it's the same kind of concept as somebody from El Paso going into Juarez to go, you know, wh whatever it is that they, many of them, More than anything, over they there, go visit families. Schools, right. Families, mm -hmm. um, you know, whatever this, and especially prior to COVID happening, um, you know, there was always this, you see people legally going back and forth all the time. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's a community in of its own. And like you said, you've got the family over there. That's, you're going to see that mimicked all up and down the border, anywhere you go. And in any time that there is, you know, whether it be in Laredo, whether it be in the RGV, whether it be in Brownsville, you know, over there in like Matamoros, the, any, any of the violence that you see over there on the other side is going to be directly impacting Texans, Texans oh, and, and vice versa. And then, uh, you know, one of the things that stood out to me too, was that some of the agents that we spoke to over there in El Paso, number one, they were very displeased with your, uh, with the incumbent. Um, you know, they, they were not happy at all. They felt like their voices were not being heard, that their concerns were not being taken seriously. First, again, the vast majority of the, uh, uh, border patrol agents are Hispanic, and especially there in, a, in an area like El Paso, where over 80% of the population is Hispanic, like in so many of these other border areas, um, you know, calling them racist, targeting them, um, you know, literally handcuffing them and their abilities and, and translating, you know, uh, like Mayorkas and several others, like just literally handcuffing them. I mean, and, 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 and then the agents sitting there saying, not only do we not feel, they feel left out. They feel like they don't have a voice. Um, you know, they're attacked by their own government. They're attacked by, you know, by, by those that are coming over uh, and mocked. And I've seen that myself. And then on top of that, you talk about the violence. And I know one of them that, that I was talking to was explaining on how some of these young girls that had just crossed over young, about 16 years old, went on to tell, uh, say that they were going to kill themselves because of the abuse that they endured on their way to the, to, to Texas. And, and that is something, and he took it personally because of course our, our agents in our law enforcement do have, they are human beings. Like you were saying, they, they are mothers and fathers, you know, they do have children at home and anyone that, that has to see that or pull these children, these dead children out of the river, you know, or see an encounter and hear the screams of the women, you know, that are being raped and having to hear their stories, you know, that impacts them, that, that impacts Absolutely. them directly. And so when they see also the violence, that's also how they're being treated as well by those that are crossing over those that are, they, they, they feel like they are entitled they know that the uh, that the federal government right now is 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 handcuffing them and their abilities and that they can just walk all over them and then when they try to do their jobs they're attacked and they're demonized and 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 not supported and it's it's and punished it's disgusting yes quite literally and so someone like you who is willing to 
be bold, to speak the truth, to say, let's take a look at these policies. Let's make sure that the policies that are working are enforced correctly, mm -hmm. because right now, everything that the Biden regime is doing, none of it is legal. No, especially in 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 the realm of uh, of immigration, whether Absolutely. it's the FBI attacking, you know, and going out and raiding Mar-a-Lago, to you know the political prisoners in 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 Washington D.C., to the you know the coronavirus, you know, and everything else, um, to especially immigration, none of it is legal. Uh, not all of it's impacting Texans and, and American citizens. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and so what would, first of all, how are you, you get into office, you are in there, what are you going to, what are you, some of your plans? And then also uh, to round it out, to close it out, um, please tell us how people can follow you and encourage you and support you as well and plug in all your social medias. Absolutely. So a few years ago when Trump was in office, um, I was invited to the um, Rose Garden to hear the remarks on immigration reform. And I was the only El Pasoan that was invited. I was very honored. But it, it was the day, it was on my dad's birthday, May the 15th, that I received the invitation. And so I went out to lunch with my parents. And then I told my mom, I said, Mom, if I get to meet Trump, what do you want me to tell, to tell him? And that wasn't during the surge of 2019. And he, she said, tell him to take care of Americans first. And she said it with tears in her eyes. She knows what's going on. And they hate illegal immigration. A lot of Hispanics, legal uh, immigrants, hate illegal immigration. And then um, another time I wanted to, it's, it's important that we understand that there is a whole demographic of legal immigrants that are also not heard. And their voice is not, they're completely being silenced. They, people don't talk, especially on either side, about how much they hate illegal immigration. And, and pushed so, to the back of the line. They're pushed exactly. to the back of the line every well, time. Well, and I, you know, in the opening, I was watching your little video, and I saw that you showed our little uh, sign that says, Kemala hates Mexicans. Yes, and Where usually when I have my podcast, I usually have it in the back. My oh. husband, I got that for my husband, and he usually keeps it in his office. And yes, that was at CPAC last year. Oh, okay, okay. So we had those, but the, where that sign comes from is that people were saying that the border was closed. It was closed to legal Mexican visitors. It was open to illegal immigrants. So the message that I interpreted was this administration hates Mexicans. Everybody can come in. But the people that had actually paid for their visitor's pass, su pasaporte, su, su visa, they couldn't cross. And so we have to make sure that people understand that the border was not um, open to Mexicans. And let's not forget that. So how can you find me? My website is ireneforcongress.com. And the number one issue is getting funding to be able to take the message to every voter. We're seeing a great response. We're block walking and we're at 55.4% of people that are asked, surveyed at their door if they're voting for me. And they say 55.4%. There's like 30 some that's still undecided. Um, and then also the number one issue here is that it's very close. It's not just border security, it's taxes. We are the highest tax county in Texas. 
and we have 26.9% um, of our children in El Paso live in poverty. And that's thanks to the Democrat leadership of Veronica Escobar and Beto, because this is his hometown. So if any of you would love to humiliate Beto in November, this is a campaign that you need to support. Whether it's $5, $10, $15, maybe you're able to donate $1,000. The max is $2,900. But if you're able to do that, not only will we flip El Paso, but we humiliate Beto and hopefully he never runs for office again. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Right? I mean, my yes. goodness. And and like and like you said, too, you know, you're getting the message out there. You're reaching, you're doing what uh, some of the Repu many in the Republican Party failed to do was to pay more attention to the Hispanic communities, especially the border communities. And you are a, 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 just like so many others, you know, that we're seeing the shift. We're mm -hmm. waking up. We're getting involved. We're, we're you guys are speaking up. You're speaking out saying, no, the, 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 the Democrat Party does not represent me. They do Absolutely. not represent me. They do not re represent our family, our morals, our values. Quite the contrary. And you know what? The Republicans need to do an even better job of going out there and supporting candidates like yourself, going out there and supporting, you know, uh, the communities and getting out there and not being afraid to talk about the issues, including illegal immigration. Because including. It is the biggest lie and misconception that, you know, many in the Republican Party uh, still tend to have is like, oh, we can't touch this because, you know, it's going to offend people. No, no, no. We're more than offended. We're hurt by it. Our communities are hurt by it. Our schools are hurt by it. Our, 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 our hospital system is hurt by it. Absolutely. Our taxes are hurt by it. And where our jobs are hurt by it. We need to talk about this. We need to come up and, you know, with and enforce good policies and, and laws and make sure that they're enforced. And when they're not, we're going to stand up and we're going to say this is not acceptable and no more. And we're going to be bold. And, and absolutely, El Paso is beautiful. You've got amazing, beautiful people out there. And uh, I, we I have hope the best Mexican food in the entire nation. It's beautiful. It's it's delicious food. But yeah. I forgot to tell you my social media and yes, my please. Twitter is Armendariz DIS 16, or you can plug in Irene Armendariz Jackson or Irene for Congress. It should come up anyways. Um, it, it's it, it's very active. And my Instagram is Team Irene 16, and so is my Facebook, Team Irene 16. We had to create another one because I am very, very um, suppressed by uh, Facebook. And so. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, it's okay. It's okay. But uh, to donate, definitely the website, ireneforcongress.com. And if anybody wants to come to El Paso, which is, I just had this conversation with Congressman Jody Arrington. You can't say you're West Texas. We're as West Texas as you get. That's as West as it gets. And it absolutely. is absolutely beautiful. Uh, Irene, thank you so much. God bless you and your campaign and your family and all of your supporters out there. May God have favor on you. Thank um, you. And, and thank you for all that you are doing. 
and and standing up for your community and standing up for the our Hispanic community and standing up for Texas and for 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 what's right here in the United exactly. States. So thank you for everything that you do. I'll also make sure after I jump off um, on Facebook and Twitter and Getter and all these <laughs> things uh, that that we get your uh, your your website plugged in there into the comments. Um, you can find that also um, for those who are watching it that might be on a shared page. You can see it on my personal page. I'll have it in the comments there and you guys can get linked up and I'll also try to plug in your yeah your Twitter's always on fire I mean well, it you is, know what? It, let it's, me tell you that fire. I asked I asked my mom I asked my mom mom if you were president tomorrow what would you do about illegal immigration and my mom was born in Ciudad Juarez naturalized mm -hmm. citizen and she said I would deport them all and so it's, speak boldly. Let me tell you, people are looking for leaders. They are. They're looking for somebody to follow, be that person and stand Absolutely. for righteousness. Absolutely. Thank you so much. God bless you so Thank very you. much. Thank you for coming on. You have a good night. You too. God bless you. You Bye -bye. too. Okay. So uh, Irene, I told she's, she's amazing. Um, please make sure that you guys like and share the video so that this way people can hear Irene's message, um, and, and help to support her. I'll make sure that in the comments, I get all of the links in there, um, of where you guys can follow her and her website and support great fellow Texans, uh, like her out there in El Paso and beautiful El Paso. A few quick, really quick things, um, before I close this out. Um, we have some upcoming events. We had our event here in Corpus Christi yesterday, had a great turnout. Thank you to Maria and Peter for hosting. Um, it, it was great. Uh, Wyatt uh, was out there, uh, and speaking and my, my, my sister in Christ Maria, um, was out there talking about her, what all that they're doing with elections. Um, and of course we were out there talking about what we're doing with Alliance for Safe Texas and secure the border and the action items and showing, of course, the documentary intentional invasion. It was a great turnout. Thank you to all of those uh, that that welcomed us last night uh, in Corpus Christi. We have, of course, the Boots and Barbecue. Actually, I have the honor of next month. Next month's going to be a crazy month. Um, I'll be in Fredericks in the Hill Country, not once but twice uh, next next month. Um, I've been asked to come and speak in, on September 8th at the Fredericksburg Tea Party as a keynote speaker. I'm super excited uh, to come out there uh, and speak to the amazing patriots out there in, in the Hill Country. And then September 17th is the Fredericksburg Tea Party annual fundraiser, the Boots and Barbecue. Um, it's going to have Wade Miller as a speaker, Jason Jones, uh, Senator Don Huffines, um, and, and it's just going to be a great, oh, and uh, Congressman Chip Roy will be there speaking, and I'm sure if you other uh, special guests that will be in attendance. So that is going to be on September 17th. You guys can go to FredericksburgTeaParty.org um, to get more information on the event detail and also uh, to purchase tickets because I believe that I believe the uh, early bird special will be ending coming up at the very beginning, I think September 3rd. So go out there, get your tickets. If you need an excuse to go to the Hill Country. I'm giving you one. And they have actually chosen Alliance for Safe Texas to be the beneficiary of the 10% that they will be, uh, of what they're able to fundraise. So you will also be able to help support uh, Alliance for Safe Texas. So please check that out. That's at FredericksburgTeaParty.org. Then I'll be going uh, to Washington, D.C. Uh, at the end of the month for an immigration school. Uh, and hopefully learning uh, and networking so that this way we can come back here. I'll be 
taking so many notes. I'm sure my brain will be fried um, by the time I get back and I'm not all that thrilled or happy about having to leave the great state of Texas even for a little while. Um, but I'm going to do it because it's the good for the cause and hopefully come back um, with more knowledge, more information on how we can help to fortify the great state of Texas uh, through state legislation and, um, of course, on the city and county level. So on that, though, I need to get there. So if you guys can also be able to help to support Alliance for Save Texas and our mission um, and, and being able to, to hit the road and, and to fight, you know, for, for good legislation, good policy. Of course, I was just out there in Ellis County um, just the other day. I put out a new commentary. You guys can find that on the blog. Um, uh, we're trying to, of course, push for as many to get as many counties on board uh, with declaring an active invasion. Um, and so we're up to about 18. And um, I had I was thankful to be a very small part in in, in helping uh, testify for Hardin uh, with the great Julie Clark and Brent Smith um, for Hardin County. And then that evening I was out there in uh, with the great Kathy Ponce and her amazing group out there in Alice County. Um, and everything, we had six new counties jump on board on Tuesday, all passed unanimously. Um, shame on Medina County Commissioner's Court, by the way, that put out this ridiculous, pathetic excuse of a resolution, uh, basically begging the federal government once again to do something <laughs> about the very crisis that they are behind. Um, yeah, because the federal government, you know, let's, let's get on our knees and beg for them to do exactly what they're not doing. Um, that doesn't make any sense to me, but sure. Shame on Medina County commissioners. Y'all need to do better. Uh, go over there and please also support the Medina County GOP, uh, and Julie Clark. Um, great job, Kathy, uh, Kathy Ponds over there in Ellis County. But it, and again, if you're able to help, uh, help keep secure the border and Alliance for safe Texas fighting for Texas, please go to secure the border.us secure the border.us. And there is that donate tab on there as well. It is a 501 C four. So while it is not tax deductible, um, it, it will help keep us fighting for Texas. So, um, and we also have on there under the take action tab. Of course, you guys know, we're all about the action items. We need help, uh, to expand and get more of these counties on board. So if you want to follow in the footsteps of the great Julie Clark of the Kathy Ponce of, uh, the great Carrie Barron that led, uh, led some of the efforts in, in getting it passed in Wise County. Um, we now have it under the take action tab. Um, have an example of actually the Wise County um, resolution that was passed and uh, and in kind of the step by step process of, of, of kind of, so, you know, submitting it to your county judge and presenting it to your county commissioners. Um, if you're able to get the support of the sheriffs, that, of course, helps. And then some of the backup plans, um, if your politics in the area are there's no chance in heck that it's going to pass on the county level. There are some other uh, alternatives of how you can continue to uh, advocate and lead in your own city and county uh, the efforts of declaring this as the act of invasion and showing that we are a United Texas, um, that we do need a little bit more action here, a lot more action, unfortunately, actually, uh, to help fortify the great state of Texas and to stop this active invasion on our sovereign state. So that's one of the, of course, one of the many action items that you can take. So that's also on securetheborder.us under the Take Action tab. And then, of course, if you're able to help donate at all, um, it's under the Donate tab there, too, to help get me to DC because I'm just, y'all pray for me. I'm not going to be happy about it. But it's for the cause. It's for the cause. So, anyways, that is going to be it for tonight. Thank you, Irene. Thank you guys so much for logging in. And, guys, let's continue to do all that we can to secure our sovereign state border 
and save our sweet Texas. Thank you guys so much for logging in. Y'all have a great weekend and God bless. Thank you for your time and let's go Brandon.